The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Quick programming note, this episode of Andy's Girls was recorded earlier this week, prior to the now infamous episode of Salt Lake City that we all suffered through watching. If you'd like my thoughts on the new SLC and so much more, hop on over to the Andy's Girls Patreon. There's a one-hour bonus episode up now where I entirely lose my mind. For now... Enjoy this amazing holiday-themed, because I'm saying out loud it's holiday-themed, which makes it, in fact, a holiday-themed panel episode. My love for Shan is like a menorah. It burns eight times as bright. Is that Santa I hear? No, it's you coming in with your Herman Munster shoes. (laughs) I don't have a nanny to fall in my shower, but if she did, I'd probably panic and call 911. <laughs> okay, I love that. I love, you know, just hashtag we support you, Lisa. We support in your Lisa. And what you're going through and in your continued very dear and lovely friendship with Larsa. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode I have no fucking idea. And I'm so excited to have two return guests who have formed this panel collective that I quite literally cannot get enough of. And I feel like end of the year, Michigas, we got to get to it. We got to do a whole little rundown situation, et cetera, whatnot. So, you know, welcome to Annie's Girls and welcome back to AG, senior entertainment editor at the Daily Beast and the mind behind Obsessed, a pop culture website. Welcome back, Kevin Fallon. <laughs> Hello. That's quite an introduction. You know, I do what I can. It's some of that holiday sparkle that comes from within. And you know him as acclaimed housewives, writer, and culture commentator. Welcome back to the People's People's Zoom, Kiki Couch, and whatnot, etc. Lewis Peitzman. Lewis, how are we? I'm really, I'm a, I'm better after that intro. I really, I agree really? with Kevin. You really put, I feel like I'm at like a Luann holiday cabaret with the Mm -hmm. energy that I'm getting. (laughs) You know, I really appreciate that. I um, actually had a little Lou adjacent moment. I was on Radio Andy on um, Amy Phillips' show earlier today, and she talked about going to Lou's show over the weekend with Jeff Lewis, Kyle, Crystal, Shan. She literally said she was going with Shan, and she was like giving more of a summary, and I was like, okay, circling back. Wow. How was my queen? How was her light? How was her everything? Was this in so, Los Angeles? This was, in fact, in Los Angeles, where apparently Lou is continuing her Very Merry Countess tour and selling out everywhere. Wow. Well, good for her. What she deserves. Well, does she? I think so. What do you know? I no, mean, I mean, hello, I, media panel. I, 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 wish her, in. I wish her all the best. 
I've I've been to a show of hers years ago, um, before the pandemic that mm. was very much not sold out. Well, I went to the first ever show she ever did, her first ever cabaret at 54 Below. It was the performance before the one that they recorded for New York. And it was, um, talk about a religious experience, one of the greatest moments, times, nights of my life. She, It was extraordinary. I screamed like the Beatles. The first one was good. And then I feel like when I saw her at BravoCon, the magic had worn off and I was a little bit sad. But also, she was so late getting she on stage. She was so late, and we were so we were so tired, and she didn't know who Captain Lee was, which is, you know, obviously a mark against her. They had that like fuck Mary kill segment, oh, and it was like right, Bravo right, right. Labs, but she clearly hadn't done her research. Um, and you know, it was a moment, but I, you know, I wish her the best. I just had a PTSD flashback to that experience of waiting for her for what seemed like and a half, right? Ages. Um, at BravoCon. Yeah, I think it was quite literally and this was guys this is at BravoCon 2019. Yeah, yeah, it went on it went on forever and then also like there was like comedy and it was you know it's never just her yeah. cuz she can't really do more than sing like a couple songs. Um, but I um, I was at the Mariah Carey show at Madison Square Garden on Friday night and Mariah was a full 2 hours late. I saw your tweet and I all I just had flashing back to by the way, an experience. With Mariah, you're sort of paying for the experience of waiting to see her. Whereas... I'm, paying, I'm not I'm paying to see her. I'm not sure I'm paying to wait to see her. I feel like that's part of the experience. Luann, I don't feel that way. Well, but I mean, I sort of agree. It's like going to Lauren Hill, where you know she might be an hour late, four hours late. And it is not that it's a part of the experience, but like Mariah takes the idea of diva i think to like a holy spirit-esque level so two yeah. hours i think like an hour would right. probably the, the, be realistic the hour was that we had expected. Tough, but it's mariah it, and how was it it was to the point that um the couple who was sitting next to us like arrived taking selfies together and were like dancing to the dj and like having such a lovely time and by the end of the two hours had gotten to such an intense argument that they <gasps> i'm pretty sure we're gonna break up and had Mariah just shown up an hour what, earlier. Wow. What hath Mariah wow. wrought? That's so dark. But people were like chanting, like, where's Mariah? Where's Mariah? Like people were not happy. Like it, it was not like, oh, this is a fun waiting for a diva situation. It was a like, this is getting to be egregious. But it was worth it in the end, right? You saw her during the holidays. Yeah, it was a great show. Christmas classics. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I would not put it on the same level as waiting for Luann. It was there was more of a payoff at the end of it. No offense to uh, the cabaret. The Luann dragging (laughs) today. Some offense to Luann. I think we have to be honest. You know what though? Her Christmas song. I don't think it was ever released, but it was. It was released. A bop. Well. What do I want for Christmas is you? Yeah. What do I want for Christmas Pause is you? <laughs> I listen to that every day. Every day of my great. life. I'm glad. Okay, great. I'm it's happy for that. constantly stuck in my head. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Luann, if you're listening. Oh, my God. Um, Actually, quasi speaking of, when it comes to moments, songs, whatever, that take up some space in your noggin, have there been iconic moments or rather moments that um, kind of sum up your 2022 Bravo Holic experience? Like, 
you know, Teresa's hair, for example, or a fight on a franchise or news breaking about a Bravo lab, has there been a moment that's really kind of like stood out for you, good or bad I mean, or it's, neutral? It's, uh, it's a tie between homeless, not, not toothless, toothless. Mm. and just that whole giggle fit that happened. And then, I mean, the editing of the chicest wind chimes I've ever seen was just comedy gold. Like, you know, Bravo's, you know, comedy editing is second to none. And I thought that that whole sequence was just so, so funny. Yeah, I think, I mean, I I, I would definitely say the same, except that I have to have a tooth pulled soon and it's feeling very, oh, no. like I, I already made a joke about it, but I feel like I, you know, I laughed too much at that and now I'm going to be toothless, not homeless. Um, as Kathy Hilton predicted. And um, I'm, I'm a little bit like salty about the fact that Beverly Hills definitely gave us like the two most iconic moments of the year because I don't want to reward Beverly Hills Housewives <laughs> for what was overall a very challenging season for me. Um, I feel like this was the year of me, like this was a tough year for me Bravo wise. Like this was a year where I really did feel like, as I've said, Bravo in its flop era um the ratings definitely reflect that they are really I'm bad nodding. no I'm um, nodding, no but continue yeah uh, but i have had like I, I felt a little bit of like a, a return to form recently and i think like after the disaster that was below deck med like i'm really enjoying below deck this season although we'll see what happens after uh lee leaves but like really enjoying below deck really enjoying below deck adventure um, and then housewives wise, you know, Miami has been like my saving grace. And mm. I think the scene in the last episode of Lisa telling the women that Lenny has a girlfriend is like, like top, top tier housewives for me, like, like a great housewife scene that's like under the wire getting in for, you know, iconic housewives moment of 2022. Did you see the Watch What Happens live episode where Casey Wilson and Daniel Schneider being shown that clip oh, the, for the first time. Yes, and, the uh, the hot mic clip. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like I like they were just like stunned in society. Like they like I felt their bodies stiffen. Like it was a physical reaction that they had to. Yeah, it. yeah, that was really bad. And also Lenny being like, "Oh, I'm whispering because I'm mic'd," which is like such a funny misunderstanding of how microphones work. That <laughs> um, you have to kind of like admire how stupid it is um that he like knew he was mic'd every other hot mic moment we've like had i feel like people forget they're mic'd yeah but he fully knew i really appreciated in um salt lake city this year when uh heather was clearly about to like go off and so she mm. marched into her closet or something and ripped off the mic before shoving out whitney so that she didn't and get told caught everyone that to leave because that's the appropriate reaction to whitney rose yeah i yeah. also enjoyed that moment but like i was like oh i can see her wheels turning you're like oh i don't want to have a disastrous PR moment for myself. So get out of here. When it comes to Miami moments, I know that there are standouts. Obviously, the Mike moment with Lenny, the reveal at the end of the of the newest episode um, of the most recent episode as we're recording. Um, obviously, those are standouts. But you know what stood out to me, which like I can truly go fuck myself because obviously those are the top two, the ones that you mentioned, Lewis. But what stood out to me was the scene where Lisa, you can tell her brain is kind of scrambled at this point, And now we understand why. Trying to get her husband to come 
home and watch the kids. Oh, man. She's unavailable and her fucking babysitter broke her goddamn wrist. And the replacement is like dying of some sort of like fever. And Lenny's response is just absurdly shitty of like, I need to go play tennis, but like I can, but you really need to find someone, but I can, but I really need to go play tennis, but I can. And watching Lisa try to explain parenting as being something where now and again, you might be in the same space as your children, understanding that like, I would think she knew at this point about no, the she girlfriend? yeah, she knew about this was this was after he had told her that she needed to move out. So I this is like this was yeah, so she definitely knew what was happening. So like maybe his girlfriend is the tennis racket or something and when he <laughs> says he needs to go play what he really means to do is like fuck this 20 something whatever, but he also is like really controlled in that scene because he knows he's being recorded. Like he knows he, she, she's on speakerphone and he's like very yeah. calm while she's like tell him to go fuck himself so i think that he knew um but yeah i mean like there have been so many iconic moments i'm sorry kevin who doesn't watch miami this is all a ploy to get you to watch because i feel like it really is to me like what housewives should be Mm -hmm. where the fights are about like who has a mortgage and like who's cheating and not about like jail time and i just find it so refreshing and i like all of them in different ways and I don't have that experience I feel like lately when I watch Salt Lake City I'm really really struggling and Potomac I'm enjoying but I still feel like Miami gives me the most like unmitigated joy Mm -hmm. where I can like sit down and watch Miami and like have a good time even if it's like a bummer even if like yeah dog is getting put to sleep and I'm crying I'm still like this is like a really entertaining show and I don't feel that way about the others. And I haven't felt that way about a lot of housewives this year. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like Miami is the perfect combination of salty and sweet, i.e. the ending of the episode when Lisa's like Lenny's like fucking some girl and he essentially is like, you're going to bear witness and it's going to be great. And the response from all of the women is so immediate and like animalistic at a certain, like the way that Alexia responds and is like over my fucking dead butt like the way that they just come and rally against her and truly truly rally with her rather and truly truly are immediately supportive of her physically trying to comfort her and just being I think very instinctive is it is as unfortunate as this circumstance is for Lisa and as ongoing as we understand it is now it is also a moment to show I think a sisterhood a sisterhood and a sistership is that a fun word that <laughs> i'm making up that that like exists within these women that doesn't exist i don't think really on any other well, franchise well i think potomac i think potomac has that to an extent and i feel like that's why we love scenes of like yeah. Giselle and Karen hanging out even mm-hmm. when they're kind of sniping at each other and i think that like what doesn't work for me is when it suddenly becomes about Mia and Jacqueline and who they've had sex with and like whether it was together or not like I don't really care about that I want to see like that sisterhood even if they're fighting so I think that that really is something that we're missing on on you know Salt Lake City right now in particular like even when Karen came with um gifts for Giselle's daughters and was just like you know as 
as bad as things might ever get between me and Giselle, like I really respect her as a mother and I love those girls and that kind of thing that you would expect from people who have known each other and worked that closely with each other for as many years as they have, that I think, you know, there's nothing, nothing worse than when you're watching these shows and it just looks like the people have absolutely no emotional interest in each other. But that was Ramona Singer's problem. She has no, she had no you know, investment in anyone's lives, you could not care less. And I think that Salt Lake City right now, you're, you're watching everyone just sort of like fend for attention. And what you lose is that emotional connection that I think, even though you know you're watching a TV show, makes you feel like you're watching real people. Um, and and I, I can't stand what's happening on Salt Lake City now because they're losing that completely. Well, I'm so, I, I'm... Uh, so intrigued by your responses about Salt Lake because I'm listening to both of you talk about not loving the season so far. I don't have that problem with it or a problem with it to that extent. I'm still able to find, I guess, like things of interest that um, I, I that I find interesting. But there is a way that the women now are finding themselves so truly incurious about each other that I think is unrealistic. Like there's a lack of curiosity genuinely about even the, even LOL, the Jen Shaw situation mm -hmm. and right. trial that like, I, I know this isn't because producers told you not to talk about it. That literally would not make any sense. Otherwise Jen wouldn't be on this season to begin with. But there's like a lack of honesty, I think, in the circumstances that we're all aware of, that even though, you know, the housewives bubble is and can be artificial. And while I do think there are also moments of honesty, there's like headline news stuff that they're not going near and not touching, which does kind of leave me a little suspicious about everything else. Well, it's strange because... This season, I feel like I don't know what's going on in any of their lives. Like, even though I've been watching every episode, and this is now the third year of most of these people being on the show, mm. it's bizarre that, like, outside of Whitney's healing journey, um, there's no information that's being had about what these people are going through or doing or trying to accomplish or anything like that, because everything just seems so secretive and shady and every time they get together, it's just an impossible to follow argument where you don't, you, I can't even tell what they're fighting about or who's on what person's side. It's just all so meaningless because we're I don't not think they know what they're fighting people. about. Yeah. I don't think they, I think that they, like, I really feel like they are doing improv and they are <laughs> just kind of basing it off of like whatever they're coming into a scene wanting to accomplish. I think that they are over rehearsed i think they are over planned i think that there was a discussion among cast members before the season the season started to take down heather i think that was very calculated and i think what? You, i keep going i think if you watch how the season plays out i believe it was orchestrated because there are things that make zero sense like lisa immediately taking whitney's side after whitney said the rumors to begin with and say and basically like joining forces to come after Heather, I think it is really clear to me what is happening. And I don't believe in the, the Whitney Heather fight is completely ridiculous to me. And I feel like it is entirely fabricated by Whitney. And I, I think it's a, my feeling with that is that it's about, 
the shock on My your face. face is like incredible. I feel like that Whitney Heather fight is about something that something that they can't show us on the show because I think it's about the show. It's about the show, yeah. Yeah, I think they're like they're fighting about contracts or status or I feel like they're fighting because because Heather is the most popular one next to like like I think Heather and Lisa Barlow to me are like the most popular ones. Yeah, the shot. The sh- I could be totally wrong, but it's it's is- as a viewer, it sucks because there's something at the root of this, you know, incessant disagreement and discord that they have, but we can't figure out what it is. We just see two people screaming at each other, and it's like I don't understand why. I'm obsessed with Sarah's face because this is going to be your most divisive episode. Although, like my Twitter timeline, I feel like I maybe I've curated it, but I feel like this is not an unpopular opinion. But like maybe it is. I think I, I I'm with you, Lewis. When I scroll through on <laughs> Sunday night, Sarah Sarah's freaking but, out. But I think maybe it's like the gays have soured on the show for some reason because that's my sort of curated timeline of Housewives fans. Well, so- the gays are definitely trying to kill me now because <laughs> shout out Tanya, may your memory be a blessing. I I think I am quite literally dead. I uh. Okay. Um, I, I, guess, I just want to add one more never, thing, which is that like, yeah, please. The, the, the scene where they were on the yacht in, I kept calling it Miami to my friends because I was confusing with Potomac. So they were so confused, but San Diego, the Miami of the West, um, they were all on. <laughs> San Diego all, appreciates that. Yeah. <laughs> they were all on that yacht. And, you know, Whitney and Dana and someone else was like twerking in the background while Jen was screaming at Lisa and throwing charcuterie and Heather was yelling at Meredith about something and no like it was just utter chaos but not in a like a fun like Berkshire's berserkshire's kind of way it was just all complete nonsensical things were happening by people who were all trying to make themselves the main characters of that scene. I feel like they are over like producing themselves but I feel like production's almost like not producing enough. Because there's, I have no idea what's going on in any given scene. And the storylines that were established at the beginning of the season have like already disappeared. And it's not, I'm not seeing like consistency to what's happening. I really want to hear Sarah's thoughts because she's losing her mind and I'm very concerned. I have a couple questions. Very calm, very calm. <laughs> I, I do think that you, I already had a brain episode this spring and I think that you just added another one. So Lennox Hill, if you're listening, um, I, so, okay, couple of things. Um, so you think that the Whitney, this is going to be a question, which is also known as a statement and I will pose it by, um, you know, having a little lilt in volume at the end of the sentence. So you think that Whitney and Lisa had some sort of one-on-one prior to the season and said, let's take down Heather. You think that happened and not what we are literally watching happen during episodes, which is Heather being upset at Whitney for roping her in, however you feel about what happened, to the – um basketball seats, Utah Jazz tickets, and saying that she was shit-talking Lisa. Like, you think this was a plan for them to go after Heather and not just two people on an island seeking shelter with each other? It feels like, okay, it does feel like two separate things are happening, but I think that the the rage that everyone feels at Heather at all times, to me, feels disproportionate to her offenses. Like, the way that, like, every fight... Turns You're into- saying that about Heather and not Lisa? Yeah. We think that Heather 
is the one being targeted right now and not Lisa Barlow? I don't think Lisa Barlow is being targeted at this point. By the... By by Heather and other people in the cast? By Jen Shaw? By Meredith? I think Heather... I think Heather hates Lisa. I don't... I don't doubt that. But I don't think that... I don't feel like that's an orchestrated thing. I don't know. It's complicated because I do feel like, as I said, I think Heather is really popular with fans. And I think Lisa is really popular with fans. And I think that a lot of the fights, as we've said, as Brian Moylan has said, are about the show and status on the show. And I Mm -hmm. feel like Salt Lake City is the worst example of that because they are, they are so, they came into this late and they are so image obsessed. And I think that like, I'm not getting a clear sense of what's going on. And I I really want to see Girls Trip and it bothers me as I've complained about the girl's trip is airing like out of order because we know that the Heather Whitney fight continues on girl's trip. You can see in that trailer, you know, Heather basically telling Whitney she chose the show over her. Like they will talk about the actual fight, which is obviously over the show, but we don't get to see that till I guess after the reunion of Salt Lake city, which feels very mixed up to me. Don't you think some of the fight is about Heather's reaction to about the show, but within the context of like Heather's non-reaction or not the, not having the kind of reaction Whitney was seeking in sharing her childhood trauma? I think Heather handled some of that poorly. And like, I understand Whitney being upset about that, but I, I just feel like when Whitney's screaming at Heather for gaslighting her, like I can't abide it. Like it is so grating to me and nonsensical. Like I really like, cannot watch another Whitney scene. It makes me, I can't do it. And it's, it's, it's no disrespect to her, to her trauma, which I, I completely believe. It's just the, like, the way she fights with Heather, to me, it's making me feel crazy. I'm being gaslit. And I think Sarah now feels gaslit by this conversation. (laughs) You guys, if you, this is why we're not video, but like, this is where I almost wish we were because (laughs) I am, I I taken my take my breath away. Like it's just fully. I don't even know, Kevin. Please. But I think there was an uh, an effort to target Heather with the um, bringing her into the Lisa Barlow was trading blowjobs for basketball tickets thing. That I believe Heather legitimately had not a flying you know clue about. I I think I think Heather knew that. I I think I think Heather knew that separately. Oh. I do think I do think that, but I think, but I, but I think that it, I, I think it was. But like, then Whitney not letting it go and just like bringing right. it up constantly, and constantly, constantly, and to, and the reason that it bothers me so much is that we have a potential storyline about a Real Housewife, perhaps credibly trading sexual favors <laughs> for basketball. <laughs> it is, it is not, credibly, it is not credible. Not it credible. is so ridiculous. Even, but like, you say that for the Lakers, you're not doing that. Apologies to Utah Jazz, but that's not even a hand job. Like, what are you even getting? They, they bungled this so badly that like Whitney didn't have enough ammunition to keep it going for Lisa. Lisa couldn't even turn it into like a sympathy storyline. It was like, but that's but that's my thing just, is like, like off Sarah, in the wind. I, you guys, if you saw my face, Sarah, saw why is not what? Why would not? Why would Lisa not be angry at Whitney who brought it on the show and said it? over and over again and focus entirely on Heather. It makes no sense. Because Whitney was honest and was like, I was shit talking you and here's what happened. But and she... Whitney, wanting to share her honesty, Heather was like, don't bring me into this shit. And that's where it all fell apart. But she didn't need to bring it up on the show at all. It was such a non-starter because no one actually believes that Lisa is having sex for jazz tickets. So but, like, it's it's such a non- is Heather, is- is is Meredith fucking half of New York? Like probably not even a quarter. Like, no, but I, what, that doesn't but have that, any. But that 
became that, a storyline. That became a right. big moment. That like that became. So is this? Is, I don't. I don't think it is. Like, I, I mean, the, I'm sure the Utah Jazz is used. If they're not, that's a complete <laughs> error in marketing. Like I, how I, I like literally don't understand what you're saying. Meredith was able to turn that um that hot mic into moment. Merch. Into merch. But not just into merge, into sort of the defining character arc that she's had on this series. Yes, which is iconic. And it that became is a whole, yeah. the, the, the entirety so of the reunion, the, it's, the, it's defined the show. Lisa has not been able to turn that rumor that was said on TV about her into anything tangibly. Because she's, so, she's so repulsed by it. I think, I don't think she wants it to be like merch the way that like Meredith does, because Meredith is much more like, willing to joke along with that. But I'm not even talking about merch. I'm talking about just like making it into a part of her storyline on the show. I think it would be different. I mean, yes, I I hear all that. I think, Sarah, to pull this back so we can like maybe take things down a notch for all of us. Yeah, use your your little words with me. No, I just, I mean, I mean the emotions. No, but I'm being serious. (laughs) Oh no, keep the emotions high, but like, I don't understand. Okay, but don't you feel like part of the confusion here is is like the editing and the production being such a mess this season for us to have such like wildly different takeaways i don't think we've ever had this divergent an opinion about housewives and rather than blame each other i want to blame production for this like incoherent season where we have to project a lot of our own feelings onto it to make any sense of what's happening i really don't think this was as bad a season as you're both experiencing I, I'm not. Uh, I find it hard to watch. Really? Yeah. I've all, but I've also always been a little bit down on on Salt Lake because I feel like I was like last season. I was not as into it as everyone else. I do feel like there are pe- people on it who don't want to fully engage and want to be kind of a persona, which I I really don't like. Disengaging. Yeah. So I don't I don't like that. And then I also feel like you had people like like Jen really. I mean Jen we learned is actually like that, but always seemed like she was performing a housewife like character. Mm. And then we had you know, she must not be named last season, who was like very much like, I'm going to throw a drink now because that's what you do on these shows. Like it always felt a little bit artificial to me. So I feel like this season, I'm just seeing the seams even more, but it's not a huge downgrade in quality for me watching it. Like I don't, I enjoyed it about as much as I did last season. Mm -hmm. So I just think that like, there is a messiness to the production that is leading to some confused reactions and they're, clearly, um, they're they're having casting issues they have no idea what they're doing with the two angies with this right dana person like, i like i like i like dana because my cousin's name is dana and it's not a very common name oh my god lewis you're literally killing me there are so many danas and not a lot of danas and that's my wow. personal feeling representation matters like both, it both does. angies like are, are arriving trying to like you were saying lewis trying to like be yeah the the most housewifey and housewife there's ever been and i find it dark dark like, to be dark energy on both accounts there is something that I find sort of more endearing about Angie H's approach to doing H? it, where it's all to her. It's <laughs> all like, Sarah, Sarah's I actually, going to... I literally am like, is this the lump of coal that, because like <laughs> Hanukkah Harry knows I done fucked up a couple times this year. Like, is this my punishment? You're I'm saying like, that Angie H, Angie please H's continue. thirstiness with all these embarrassing stunts is kind of like endearing to me because they're, they're, okay. they're so okay, pathetic. Like the... I mean, okay, the the, in, the Instagram account is <laughs> outrageous. It's, it's yeah. so Nancy, her husband's that, such a piece of like, shit. Like behind to it, dance you know, in she that was behind it. Outfit with with Whitney, the um, pretending to be like a play a Playboy uh, waitress serving a martini to to Heather. 
Like, mm. just, it's all just it's really flop, crazy. it's flop city, you And then you see then her face it's when really she realized bad. she was the only one who was invited on that trip. I was just like, this is this is a thirstiness that I find endearing. Whereas with Angie K, she's just checking every box of like, I'm trying to orchestrate an argument because to be to be I fair, argument, Jen, I mean, screen time. Jen poured a drink on her head, which is like very much Jen trying to make a moment because I guess it's talking about that and not her impending prison time. But I feel like I, I don't know. I, I hear what you're saying. I, I do think that Angie H's sad thirstiness is not endearing, but like a little bit more entertaining. And I love Don. Mm. Do you do you both watch Below Deck Adventure? Are you watching Below Deck Adventure? I haven't seen Below Deck in so many okay, years. So Below Deck Adventure, you know, had Heather on and she brought Angie H, but as Angela, which made me laugh because it was like <laughs> She's like, she's like the side character, oh Angela. And you're like, does she not want to be thought of as NGH? And if so, why does she go? If she could always go by Angela, why is, why do we have two Angies on Salt Lake City? Fly free, babe. I, I Fly do think, free. I think Below Deck Adventure was really good too because Heather's very charming on it. And I feel like the season has been so hard on Heather. And like, yes, I will defend her. I don't agree with everything she's done this season. I think the black eye is ridiculous and we can discuss this i think to me it's very clear that that was a self-induced injury that happened by accident because if someone beat the shit out of her they would have shut production down and we would know by now what happened i don't believe Mm -hmm. that like whitney rose came in and like punched her in the face um anyway sidetrack but yeah i think that i think that um I still think heather's charming and i think below deck adventure was good for her and i am sorry this season is to me, you know, a very bad one for Miss Heather Gay. Mm-hmm. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. 
the lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Obvs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. But a worse one for Whitney Rose for me personally. I... Uh, and what are your thoughts on Lisa? Lisa Barlow? Simpson. No. <laughs> Switching gears. I think Lisa I think Lisa Barlow is the funniest housewife next to Candace. And I think a lot of it is intentional and a lot of it is not intentional, but I think I enjoy everything Lisa Barlow says even when I don't agree with her. So I don't really mind whatever side she's on. I think that like I mean that's the thing like when I when I watch Salt Lake City, I do enjoy it still because I enjoy every goddamn thing that Lisa Barlow says. So like that is powering me through the season that I find to be chaotic in a bad way. Did you see the clip of her singing away in a manger at uh, Rise, okay. that, that gay bar in Hell's Kitchen? I did not see that. I don't know why I wasn't there. I, I am worried that we are going to like irony stand her into doing a cabaret show. So we have to be careful because <laughs> um, I just don't want her to go on the Luann route. But um I hope she's happy. I'm happy she's happy. Um, you know, I'm happy that Fresh Wolf is doing well, I guess. I I don't know. Um, Vita Tequila probably thriving. 
And um, yeah, no, I love Lisa Barlow. Do we agree on that? At least, or do you hate Lisa Barlow? We're like really. I I, I don't I don't like Lisa at all. <laughs> I I guys, I'm so sorry. We got to wrap early. <laughs> I got a menorah to light. Um, sure. You know what's so great about this episode is that like I really this is what I love honestly about Housewives. No joke. And we will get to your um mistruths about Lisa Barlow in just one second. But this is what I honestly love about housewives and these kinds of discussions is that we can watch the show and have such opposite opinions or even experiences in watching it and thoughts on what we're seeing take place like I personally genuinely do stand for Lisa and a lot of it is like unintentional now becoming intentional but Kevin please tell me why you loathe her I don't think she has an authentic connection to anyone in the cast at this point. So it's impossible for me to track or understand what she's doing every time she has an outburst and what's the cause of it and who's the target of it and whether they deserve it. I think that she has a problem where she shuts down and storms off too quickly when there is something that she's involved in, but yet she's also always starting arguments. So it's just this weird ineffectiveness to me. Like, I, I feel I just... like she's better at she's better at engaging than Meredith is. Like Lisa, Lisa sits there more than Meredith does. But Meredith's thing is to just like coast through it all, whereas Lisa's presence is so volatile. It's so extreme. It's so loud and screaming, screechy. But Lisa Barlow. There's not actually anything that's <laughs> happening there. I honestly am like, are we talking about Vanderpump Rules? Like, I I don't. Lisa Barlow at the on the newest episode was like watching reacting trying to moderate and mediate what was going on with like Whitney and Heather and Heather was interjecting Lisa back into these fights I feel like so much of some of the cast's anger at Lisa is misdirected and because they see her as the easiest target and maybe because that's the thing. She they can't genuinely hold her dislike her she can't, I, she I, can't hold her I don't own. think she can I do I don't disagree with Kevin though that like I, I don't think that any of them have organic connections at this point that is part of the problem of the show I don't believe that like these yeah all or nothing not just Lisa these relationships yeah. are not like grounded in anything but the show at this point. And I think it's very hard to watch for that reason. I don't actually like, I do think that Lisa gets really upset when Jen Shaw is like shitty to her, but I think that's because Lisa wants to be liked and it's not nice when people are mean to you, including coworkers. I don't know that Lisa Barlow is like, Jen Shaw is my friend for life. And I like really need to like, you know, maintain this relationship when she goes to prison. Like, I don't know that I feel that. About any Wait, of them. Which is why she's the most honest of the other fucking two, pretending that Jen Shaw's a lot of fun. <laughs> well, I think that Lisa like... Barlow at least is like, let's be cool because I, you know, you're going through some shit because you're a fucking criminal. Like she's not pretending right. that Jen Shaw is the friend no. who's the person whose friendship one must fight for. Well, I do think, okay, but I do think with Heather, it, her like her devotion to Jen is one of her worst qualities. But I do feel like it's not even like for the show. I think there is, a, she has a weird guilt, like Mormon thing where she is like determined to be there for Jen. So I don't, I it drives me crazy. Like as a person who thinks Heather deserves better than Jen Shaw, but it's not like, it doesn't feel fake to me. It feels like delusional. <laughs> like it feels like a different kind of like situation than what I feel about many of the others where I'm like, I don't believe any of you actually want to hang out when the cameras are off. 
do you think that the Jen Heather thing is like an example of just like a basic, straightforward, like codependent relationship? I don't feel like it's two-sided. I feel like it's like a Heather needing to like be a good friend to Jen is like a very much like a Heather thing. I don't know that Jen feels like anything to Heather in the same way. Oh, that's a great point. That's a genuinely great and point. And I also I also feel like I did see on that's Twitter someone saying that Heather is in love with Jen. And I always love a sapphic reading of Housewives. And I was like, I don't know about that. And then I watched the last episode when Heather was drunk and trying to fuck Jen. And I was like, oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe a little bit. I love a sapphic reading of Housewives. I do think that there's like often something really gay happening, but, but you know, oh, under all the, the time. When, when Dorit was trying to have sex with Lisa, Lisa Vanderpump and you were like, okay, there's something here. Isn't that just like flirting? Real Housewives in New York City is. Well, can I, women flirt with each other? I think women can. Women flirt with can each definitely other. flirt. I don't but think maybe there are sexual undertones, but I, I don't think like I don't they're... think it's always romantic. I don't think it's. I think there's often a subtext though that's like a little bit gay. That's all, and I I enjoy that reading. I don't think that it's anything. Obviously, not a negative. Um, just a thing that exists, and an interesting reading of the Heather Jen relationship, which I think we have to kind of find excuses for because it's the most baffling thing and the fact that they all treat jen like anything but a monster is truly shocking because her behavior is repellent she the way that she threw those shoes off the yacht and then that night at dinner they was like you're the only one i can count on and and angie whatever the fuck was like yes you're so important to me and i was like this is nonsense i am watching nonsense Tell Jen to fuck off. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, and who wants to bet No, Angie K didn't even bother to ask for, like, a portion of the 1500 of it. I just find that, like, it's just so, it doesn't make sense to me to disrespect somebody's uh, possessions like that. I just think it's so fucking weird. And you're a grown adult. Even a child wouldn't do that. On the Angie K side, I do think it's because of the show because like this is her. She wants to be on the show. She's a friend of. So like that to me is a little it's bit a different. Like that's like yeah. <laughs> that's like she can't actually like alienate herself from you know the person who got her on the show. Um, although many friends, many many friends of have done that, and you know we'll keep doing that. But. I think yeah. Whitney brought that up on Watch Happens Live. She was like, I mean, she was asked her opinion about it and then said something like, the, you know, Angie bought a $15,000 casting onto Real Housewives. Jeff said that. Jeff Lewis said that. Oh, Jeff Lewis. Yeah. That's who it was. Yes. Okay, yeah. God, I didn't want to have to agree with Whitney. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, Lewis and Kevin. Wow. We all have housewives that we like cannot stand. And I think I that... just can't believe at this point in the year of our lord and savior garcelle beauvais 2022 that we're choosing whitney as the person that we can't stand i think that's so fucking fascinating <laughs> i am in a housewives group chat it is three people so it's not you a big can group add chat. me to that tomorrow and, and 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 one of one of us was like so anti-whitney last season and we were like no whitney's great we love whitney i felt a kinship to her because we were born two days apart um which is really important to me for some reason yep. Chance day before my birthday. Yep. And um I this season, like every time she speaks, like it ruins the scene for me. I really cannot stand her. And I'm not talking about early in the season when she was talking about, you know, her childhood trauma. It's not about that. Her healing journey. I'm talking about I'm talking about every moment of her fighting with Heather and the whole thing when like Heather freaked out because she was like, Why don't you see Lisa's side of things after Lisa posted 
a link to Heather's father's memorial, which by the way, yes, I see why she did that. But at the same time, when a parent is dying in hospice to text like. But, but who brought it up? Who brought it up? Who brought it up? Lisa didn't. Heather did. Heather weaponized Heather, it. Heather, Heather was it the first person to weaponize it, not Lisa Varno. <laughs> but Sorry, why did continue. Lisa? But I don't think Lisa posting a link to the funeral was a good thing to do. Or hundred yeah. percent, they were both in the wrong. But we can't just pretend Lisa was Lisa was responding to a wrong idea. I agree. Separately, I will say that as much as I love Heather, I think her performance at reunions is all is always like really rough. Yeah. I think she comes in swinging way too hard, mm-hmm. and has had some bad reunion moments. However. I had a point here somewhere, which is that Whitney Lisa, is the problem. Whitney. Well, I think, do you think it's because Whitney flew too close to the sun? Because last, like, I agree with last season. I thought she had, like, a standout Bravo, like, year on season two of the show where she, like, really made, like, redeemed herself as a breakout star after sort of, like, being whatever in the first season. So do you think, like, after feeling the confidence of that, she's now just, like, losing the plot a little bit? I don't think it's confident. I think it's I think it's like a desire for Queen B status. I think that they are fighting to be like the blonde star of Salt Lake City Housewives. Like I think that as Heather and you, you and think Whitney, Whitney, you think Whitney sees herself as the Queen B of the show, Whitney. I think like, she would like to be. Yeah, I think, I think she had a moment us. when she when she like was able to kind of like clearly explain the charges against Jen. That was like one of the best moments of the season on the uh, sprint and sprinter van. Like her whole like that and Lisa Barlow calling her lawyers. I think that like Whitney had a breakout moment and would like to use that to be a fan favorite in the way that Heather is. Counterpoint, Whitney did get some um, positive attention for that moment. Could it be Heather reacting to the fact that Whitney is getting good favor and that therein lies the tension, not necessarily some fucking nefarious plot behind the scenes, just more I, of I'm an not, organic I'm not, where yeah I'm not saying that there can't be resentment on both sides and it can't like yes it could be like you know about the show and Heather might feel some type of way about Whitney getting attention but I just feel like if you look at the actual fights like I do feel like Heather's worst moment was basically saying you shouldn't talk about your trauma when we're here for Jen at that you know fight at dinner after the first mm-hmm. on the first trip not a great moment for her but overall I feel like she has been reacting fairly to things like Whitney saying, demanding that she like kind of co-signed this ridiculous story about the jazz tickets, like while they were all drunk and Heather was like, I don't want any part of this. And then the accusations of, of gaslighting and like the, the like, like bringing up Lisa Barlow when it's like, you know, Heather hates her. And also she has a legitimate reason to be upset about this posting the funeral thing or memorial thing, or whatever it was like, I just feel like Whitney, to me, is the antagonist in those moments. But the Whitney jazz thing, don't you think that was Whitney being like, this thing happened and these other women lying and saying it didn't? Like, isn't that where But I still feel from? like she brought it onto Whitney the show. To... But isn't that her job? Like, they're talking about Lisa blowing someone. How is that? But not... I think, but, but she was talking about it in the sense of like, Heather, you need to admit that you were talking shit about Lisa behind her back and spreading rumors and going along with this and not saying anything. She was asking Heather to incriminate herself. Right. Why is that like completely crossing a line? Isn't that like literally what every housewife does on this show? You're talking shit. Yeah, but these that's the thing that I keep going back to is that these this cast seems ill-equipped to handle those things. They can't spin these 
juicy bits into like coherent storylines for some reason. Like it's giving total vibes of the end of season two where everyone was gossiping about whether Meredith was lying about the day of her dad's funeral. Mm. Which was, yeah. which was ridiculous. And everyone was just like, what, was what is this even about? This makes no sense. Why do you care? Is, Why does this matter? Will, yeah, and like, I they're, will they're say... Just, they're so bad at trying to produce their own storylines that I can't... It's, it's really hard for me to watch now. I do think that is part of when, like, Whitney started to kind of rub me the wrong way because it did feel like she kept... Take, like she kept bringing up the Meredith dad thing like she is producing she is trying to be there for the show and like keep the conversation going and I yes that is her job to some extent but it was so like relentless and so like she is here to direct mm-hmm. this scene that it bothered me and I do feel like she tried that shit with the, the jazz tickets and the sexual favors for jazz tickets and then called Heather a lot I mean it it obviously escalated and I, I think that like what that that fight could have been moved past but like her behavior since then has been like not a person that I would want to make amends with like I, I I don't really feel like she's offering Heather any reason to make peace when I don't even know what she's demanding at this point but in the last fight it was like I need a friend break from you. And Heather's like, wow, that hurts my feelings. I didn't know you felt that way. And it's just like, I don't know. It's not, it's not coherent to me what she actually wants or needs from a Heather at this point. Maybe she doesn't need anything anymore because she's tried to explain it so many times before that she's like exhausted. I don't really know what there is to explain. Like she thinks Heather's lying. She's saying Heather's lying. Fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel mixed about that. Like I said, I feel like Heather probably did hear something Although I have to believe it was more of a joke than anything sincere, because I don't think that any of them believe that Lisa Barlow would ever do this. So like, I can definitely believe that like Angie said something while drunk and that Heather laughed about it because she hates Lisa. I don't think it was a big deal that like needed to be a storyline. And I think that, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 it does, you're right. Like maybe like Whitney can just be done with Heather and like take a break. Fine. But then they had that fight and like every fight this season, I really don't know what's happening. It keeps shifting. Like people are yelling at each other. There's a lot of crosstalk. And I don't really know what they're ultimately fighting about in that moment. How do you feel about the franchise moving forward, noting that likely Jen is not going to be a part of it next season? Like, do you think that opens the door to some kind of reorganization they're gonna have it's just like too far out no they i don't i mean i think that they have to kind of like reassess and perhaps you know fire some people and find some new people i mean like i think that they obviously hate canceling shows i don't think they're gonna cancel salt lake city it does have really bad ratings but so do most bravo shows at this point so but at the same time i think that they recognize people are not enjoying the season i think the chatter overall Obviously, we have a different social media experience on this, but I think that it has been more negative, certainly, than last season. And the ratings are way down from last season. So I I, I think that they would have to kind of, like, reboot in some way. And to be honest, like, we've experienced so many unfortunate recent seasons of Housewives. I know it (laughs) hasn't existed for a while, but, like, the last New York was so terrible that when I think of the idea of bad, the metrics here are so up because like the the bottom is so dark and so negative that like I might be 
saying that I'm having a, a good experience and I might be, and that might be because I know how bad it can get. But that's also coming know? from like the heights of New York and Orange County to me exceed mm. anything that Salt Lake City has offered. And so like those shows like collapsing is much more devastating, I think, than like Salt Lake City, which to me has had some great moments, but has never reached the level of the best house as franchises. You said before that you, you said earlier that you thought that Housewives was in its flop era. Do you think it's possible to have new franchises and not run into this problem one, two, or three seasons in? I mean, I think that we're, we're, we're seeing it sooner and sooner. I mean, season one of Dubai was like a disaster, yeah. right? Like, I think that like, they have a real problem with casting right now. They have a real problem with like, you know, production their desire to keep sort of things like to not break the fourth wall after they're now doing girls trip is getting harder and harder to sort of sustain but i look at my i look at miami and it's like to me that's such a success story because that show you know was sort of always a mess and then they came back many years later and now it's like fantastic and they mm. found great new people and they also kept a lot of the originals so like there is a model for what new housewives can look like and maybe it's on Peacock. I I don't I don't know. Kevin, what are your thoughts? You know, I th there are things that are sort of shifting that I actually do really like. Um, in terms of breaking the fourth wall, like in, it was after I think Ultimate Girls Trip sort of just ripped the bandaid off with that, and we were seeing a lot more scenes like Candace being like, "Where is Eric? Someone bring me Eric!" or like mm. looking into the camera and says, "What are we doing here?" Um, you you we're seeing like producers in the background of scenes more often but what I can stand is when the sort of like positives of that are also brought in with like them thinking that talking about what's happening in the blogs is ever interesting which is such a like a Beverly Hills thing where 50% mm. of the season is just them, them trying to figure out who is leaking things to the blogs and the press and talking about what they read on radar online so it's like there's a fine balance I think between advancing the franchises by admitting that we are now all complicit in it being a TV show and we don't have to pretend anymore that there's a fourth wall, but not making it so that it's just a bunch of narcissists arguing about how they're being covered in the press. But I think that like part of the way you get back to that is to have people with real relationships where the fights aren't just about those things, even though they do care about how they're being covered and they do care about like how they look on the show. And to go back to a show that I enjoy, Miami, um, I feel like part of what works so well is that they are, a lot of them are old friends. They have very real relationships. And so like, even though Larsa is someone who is like clearly very image obsessed, clearly performing Kardashian for all of us in a very like specific way, like I also believe in those friendships and I they can fight about things that aren't just, you know, the blogs. And that is really hard to pull off, I think, harder and harder to pull off for all the reasons that you said. Sidebar, I actually don't think she's performing Kardashian. I think she is settled and is a little bit more, she's experienced maybe just a dash of humility or maybe time between her first season and now. I don't see her as performing. I see her as just kind of like leveling off. Yeah, I mean, I think that her body and voice have changed permanently. So maybe it's not performing so much as like embodying, but um, yes. she very much you know, took Kim's look and voice and now uses them. So where do we go from here? Like, what do you think uh, for Salt Lake? I mean, Jen, 
released a statement saying she's not attending the reunion. There are rumors that she might be filming a separate sit down with Andy. What have you heard and what's your reaction, Kevin? Have you heard anything? Uh, I've heard exactly those two things that um, there's talks. They're in talks about doing a sit down. It has not been confirmed or or booked yet um, because she still is operating with the argument that she can't talk about the specifics of whether or not she did anything. Well, I mean, given that she's about to be sentenced, I personally would not talk about anything. So I don't really, can't right. really blame her for that one. So it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, obviously fans want to see her do some sort of, have, have her feet be held to the fire in some major way. I think Andy's actually good at those one-on-one interviews. Yeah. It would be really fun to watch that. But again, like what is the value of it if, especially for her, if she can't say anything at all, that's going to be what viewers want to hear. I mean, but yeah, I mean, what is there to say? She obviously did it. She admitted to it in court. She is going to be sentenced for it. She can deny it now because she goes on social media tears. But like, I don't think anyone doubts that she did it at this point. Like, I don't think that but like it's, whatever- It's different to, to read the court transcript than it is to have her sit down on Bravo in front of Andy Cohen to talk about it. But what can Jen Shaw say now to explain why she stole money from old people? She did because she wanted money and they're easy targets. Like, I don't think there's any sort of like, I don't know what she could offer here that would like, I'm more interested to hear what she thinks about going to prison and like how she's going to live her life away from her kids. Like that to me is more what I want to hear because like, unless she wants to tell me how she specifically got involved in a life of crime, um, I kind of want to hear that. Yeah, that that would be interesting. But I feel like, and I want to hear why, she, like, why she thought she was going to get away with lying constantly in the show about it. Well, she's a pathological liar. I don't know but if like, she even knows. But like, to I don't even know if she knows when she's that. lying. No, I yeah. I mean, I think that that's like, I I think that I understand wanting wanting that sit down, and I think it's really unfortunate that she won't be at the reunion because I have no idea what this reunion is going to be about. I think it'll probably be very focused on. Whitney and Heather because that that's the most sort of like dynamic ongoing drama but I just like I don't know I still have my issues that I've you know as I keep saying with the timeline of things so like I don't really know how we're going to resolve anything and then have girls trip air um but yeah I think that with Jen it's like I don't really I don't know I I do want to see that sit down interview but I also don't know what it'll what it will actually offer in terms of closure and I think Ultimately, in terms of where we go from here, like, I think Jen leaving the show is good for the show. I think that, like, the only real way to reboot it is to get rid of some of the people on it, whatever that looks like. And I, you know, I don't know. I mean, they're they're obviously trying to cast new people and sort of struggling with it. But I have to, I have to believe that those people are in Salt Lake City and they should just get whoever cast Miami to do it. I mean, th- th- that's, I think, where the show is feeling the most is because during the the flop era of Beverly Hills um, that they brought in um, Sutton and Garcelle, now Crystal. And they were, you know, in a transition time, great, ended up being great additions to the cast where, you know, obviously uh, Salt Lake City was in a transition time when Mary Cosby left, when they had to fire Jen and uh, uh, Jennifer, the other Jenny. Jenny, yeah. (laughs) And then Jen Shaw now is going to be gone. But these other women they brought in are unwatchable and bring no value to the show have no again with like i keep harping on the genuine connection but like even though angie angie k and jen have talked about their years-long friendship like i don't buy 
anything yeah. with them. No, and I, and I certainly don't buy it with Angie Kane, anybody else in the group. Like the most, actually the most, to me, the one that seems like the most genuine connection is Angie H, who we have, as we've spoken about. Right, right. Such Heather's a been pushing hard, yeah. right? And Heather's been pushing hard. I, I think that like one of the great sort of entry points of a of a friend of is like when they've secretly been on the show before, but you never notice. Like you, yes. you show clips of them from like years ago. Like that's the best. And then you're like, yeah, they actually, Barbara Kay, they actually were oh, friends or frenemies. Um, but yeah, I mean like- Casting is really hard. And I, th I think like you're talking about Beverly Hills and like sort of like how they brought in new people, but Beverly Hills also refused to get rid of people. And part of what makes that show feel stale to me now is that, you know, we talked about this, like the Fox Force 5 Alliance, mm -hmm. like never shifting. So I think that like Salt Lake City has to find new people who don't suck and also probably make some cuts. And maybe, maybe it's enough that Jen's leaving, but I'm also, I, I, don't, I feel like find actual find an actual friend group and see where you can go from there because what they're doing now to me is not working well i find it really interesting about this, this current state of bravo is outside of sudden garcelle and crystal coming on and really i think saving that franchise regardless of all the other problems that it has all the new additions to this legacy shows have been horrible in the last few years like there hasn't been a great new addition to Atlanta. How, how dare you speak about Drew Sidora that way? I mean, I'm sorry, not sorry. <laughs> like, cue, cue laugh, hobbling cue around laughter. on her broken foot. Like, and then like, I, I, I sort of like, I think Sonia brought something interesting to the group, but she also was flailing a lot that season. I think uh, Tiki Barber's wife in New Jersey was- Oh my God. Such a but, that, but, that, but, but Jersey's tough. Jersey's the perfect example of a show where they actually do have real relationships. And every time they try to add someone in, it feels very forced yeah. because there is no reason why they would suddenly start hanging out with this person who hasn't really been around. I think Jersey's weird because obviously Melissa and Teresa, despite being family, have been solely coworkers for many, many years. But I do think Melissa- and uh you know Dolores and Teresa are actually friends I think yes. Melissa and Jackie are actually friends like and I think Melissa and Teresa have actual history and actually like have a real reason to hate each other which is more interesting than you know people who just who just want to have a good scene yeah. um so I I think that like yeah it's hard to bring in new people because why aren't they already on the show like why are they not you know and I think that's why you kind of have to start from scratch in some ways it's, uh, it's never made sense to me why they don't bring in people as pairs or as trios as new cast members like mm. I, I I don't think that this would have really worked but it would have made sense to bring in Leah and her sister if her sister is going to be on the show so much because at least they know each other or like if Ebony had a friend so she wasn't just this island trying to preach right. to these women who don't want to listen to her it right. would have been she would have had a better time of trying to be a part of the of group. Of course, and it also was so forced because it was like, oh, we hired a Black cast member who has, but also one who has no connection to these women. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a real problem. Um, and it's hard too because like they're all famous now, right? So it's like that, that really messes up your friendships in terms of like who's actually still in your life. And then knowing that if you bring this person into the show, it jeopardizes your friendship because nothing kills a relationship like yeah. being on Housewives. Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of a mess. I mean, like, I think Beverly Hills, you know, did it well, but they also lucked out by having Garcelle and Sutton form a very real so relationship. Quickly, yeah. And then when they do things like bring in Kathy, who's always been there on the periphery, um, it kind of makes for good TV. It also destroys Kyle Richards more <laughs> um, and like absolutely ruins whatever relationship they had. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just really hard. Um, and I I don't see a way around that. And I think Atlanta like is kind of like Atlanta has moments for sure, but I think Atlanta is like running on fumes. Like it's not it's not the show that it once was. No. And I don't know that people to respond have, to it the to same have way. Cherie just... come back and Marlo be promoted and it still be kind of a bummer of a season is shocking. Yeah, but that's also a show where they are very much co-workers. Yeah. Like, I don't I I mean, I think that like, you know, Candy sort of made it clear that she doesn't want to hang out with Marlo. And I think that is a valid opinion based on how Marlo has treated her. Anyway, I think we all basically agree about the fundamental fact that like you need to have something organic to ground these shows. And the farther they get away from that, the harder it is to make it work. And even shows on the like even shows that aren't housewives, like Summer House is really suffering, I think, because Winter House is like, you know, a, a mess of a show where they keep adding these new people and they're not actually part of this friend group. And why Summer House mm. worked for so long is because they were actual friends. And whenever they added people to Summer House, they were part of a friend group. So they added Paige and Hannah together um, because they were already sort of hanging out. So I think that like, that is a way to do it. But I still think that Summer House and that whole franchise is is declining because it's become too much about coworkers, not enough about friends. Can I go back to one thing that you guys were talking about when it comes to New Jersey and the Teresa Melissa situation? It feels like there is a circumstance here that's probably like too organic for the show because these women so vociferously, I can't, I guys, I had a brain thing and I <laughs> sometimes words are hard when I'm saying them out loud, but these women truly hate each other to a new degree. The it's like hearkening back to seasons three and four, right. this whole situation between Melissa and Teresa, how does a show resolve that? I mean, they literally, ch- the panels changed because yeah. it was too hot. Maybe, maybe Kevin can speak to this. Yeah, Kevin, I mean, my God. <laughs> Kevin, it was told two days beforehand that his panel was changing at BravoCon. Can you tell the folks which who were on your panel? So originally I was supposed to uh, moderate the panel with all the women. So the, uh, there was a separate panel for the husbands. And then they split right. them. And I got... Teresa and Louie, Jenna Aiden and Bill, and Dolores and Frank and Tanya, which actually ended up being a really fun. You got you group. got Teresa, you got Teresa and allies. Yeah, it was. I mean, we had a really good time, and like it was a fun panel. Oh, I, I, I have I have no doubt it was that a great it was. Panel. I'm sorry yeah. that I missed it. Um, and I thought that they actually like they talked about real things in a way that I thought yeah. that maybe they wouldn't. Like Jen Aiden went uh, in monologues mm-hmm. about the Melissa and and Joe stuff and. Teresa was really, you know, I mean, probably doing a lot of damage control for herself when she was talking about it, but she did talk about it. Um, yeah, I, I think that, I I mean, I think if you're asking where the show goes from, from, you know, after next season, I don't think that it can go on with Melissa and Teresa on the same show. I feel like it doesn't work if they're not willing to, like, engage. make peace. And I think that, like, you know, whether, I think at this point in her life, Teresa's not going to do that. And I think if she made them choose between her and Melissa, they would choose her. Um, so I kind of feel like that's where it's going to go. But we sort of have to see how the season shakes out because I don't know. I can also see them talking Teresa into trying a reconciliation season. Yes. But there's no, I mean, I don't think it, yeah. I mean, like if it's a reality show about families, then you can kind of have like a real, like 
a, a real fight that lasts longer than a season. But I think because it's about women hanging out and doing things together, like you kind of have to resolve conflicts. You can't have, you know, Meredith was kind of dragging her feet with Lisa and it was like, you sort of just have to make up because the show won't work. Erica and, and Sutton, like you have to just like learn to live with each other or, you know, we can't film these scenes. So if Melissa and Teresa are like, I think Teresa in particular is fully against filming with Melissa, then I think they'll have to figure out, you know, a, another path. If it is production coming to Teresa and being like, we need this for the sake of the show, I think that there is a move they can make before threatening to like 86 one of these women, which is like, for the sake of the show, hint, hint, we would like to see some sort of like opening up. But again, if the women can't, maybe it's a terrible comparison, but like if they can't even sit on stage with each other for an hour, how are we expecting them to play that out and play it up essentially over the course of 20 episodes. Like, is that even a possibility for Teresa and Melissa to do? Melissa, I think, yes. I think, I think Melissa definitely is better at like, I think Teresa's more, has more of a real temper. And I think Teresa's hatred for Melissa is maybe deeper than Melissa's hatred for Teresa. And Melissa also knows I think she's very aware of what you said earlier, that if it came down to one of the right. two of them, that they would choose Teresa. So I think she's a little bit more gracious and and available to to those kinds of reconciliations. Right. Melissa's Even, whole thing was like, I would have done the I would have done the panel like with with her, but she wouldn't do it. Like Melissa framed it as not her choice. Yeah. And even like remember at the start of the last season when there was so much discord between Joe and and one of the daughters, I always confused them all. Gia, Gia and, and Teresa. Um like Melissa was being like a like a peace broker, even though like they still had years of discord between them. But Melissa like wasn't drawing battle lines. She was really trying to still be a part of building a bridge between between them so the show could continue. So I think that she would have the instinct to do that again when the show needs it, which I think they're gonna need it because a full season of just like more of a Teresa and Melissa war. Is going to be exhausting. I it is exhausting, but I am I'm, I'm definitely interested to see how it plays out because I feel like Teresa has been so hard to watch for me for so long because she's so irrational. And when you watched her fight with Margaret last season, it was like it was just like it was she never stops and she never really like listens to reason and she doesn't want to play by the rules of any other housewives. Like that to me is not fun. But I feel like because the Melissa Teresa fight is based on very very real conflict and there are like legitimate grievances there on both sides i feel like that at least is more entertaining and the show you know like for many seasons they hated each other truly and that was a lot of what the show was about like jersey kind of followed a different model than other cities because it was i mean i guess beverly hills also is about family drama but a little bit less central and kyle and kim were not always fighting in the same way um, but yeah, I feel I, I feel like I wouldn't mind a season of that, but I do think it we'll see how how far they can take it before it becomes not fun to watch. Yeah, I think the question mark here, honestly, it's like we're pretending it's Teresa and Melissa and it is, but it's really Teresa and Joe. So like I don't I think Melissa, um I don't know, I find her like very honest and I think I, I think of her as like pretty grounded. And I actually think of Teresa as pretty grounded and in her own way on she's being like honest to herself 
You know what I'm saying? Like she creates her own honesty. Her own reality. Yeah. She does. And but with Joe, I'm like, listen, this is the guy that went up at a panel at BravoCon and was talking about how his comedy career is going to last longer than his sister's marriage. I, I understand that they like fucking hate each other right now and that he probably feels a certain way about his marriage being threatened. But I also think like, can he be contained? No. And I think also like the root of this fight will never really be resolved because I do think that Usually I've been on Melissa's side, but I do think that Melissa and Joe wormed their way onto the show and destroyed that relationship in the process. And so I feel like that will never be acknowledged in a way that satisfies Teresa. Um, and you're, I talked with Teresa after the, the panel and you're exactly right. Like they, that there's just no, unless Melissa says exactly what Teresa wants to say about how Melissa joined the show, then there's never going to be healing excuse me healing uh in, in that regard <laughs> everyone everyone deserves a healing journey but yeah i mean uh, i feel like of all the fights that are about the show this one is like the most about the show and i think yeah you're right also sarah that it's like more about joe than melissa but i think that like they're they're a unit and that they came on the show together joe is a cast member whether or not they acknowledge that in like a you know uh, he's very much a housewife um yeah i think they're never going to like and I don't think that Joe, even though he kind of joked about it, not joked about it, he sort of like almost threatened it that he would like walk away from the show to save his family. Like he would never actually do that. And I think that's what it might take for them to repair the relationship in any sort of like real way. Also, Teresa and Louie have to get divorced, I think, for them to really reconcile. And we're like you know shout out to the lovebirds but we're like at least five years away from that right we, we got we got some we got some time before that happened I, I mean like I, honestly like in my head i'm like you got five you've got three you could have 10 but if you're at 10 you might as well have 30 you know what i'm saying like they're gonna be reintroduced to each other shortly or maybe this is just like again you fall in love with a certain person and maybe that's that that is who they are maybe there are aspects there that he is going to be different she is going to be different you know they're kind of like resetting their ideas of relationships with each other I don't know how successful that will be but um I do like to see her happy I just I don't think that I don't think I don't I don't think that's the way I also think that like ultimately the problem with this fight not resolving is that part of why they resolve was to make their parents happy and they are all dead so I think that R.E.P. But I think that they're not, that, that's like no longer there. There's really no reason for them to like reconcile. Well, that I was thinking too, as we're having this conversation, like so much of the fighting and the ways that they were able to battle each other so effectively was essentially to perform for their parents and saying like, who is the worst child here? I was the better, I was the better sibling. No, you were the better sibling. I was the better child. You were the better child. And how does the, very unfortunate passing of their parents affect that like you could say wow our parents aren't here anymore we only have each other or you could say I'm now putting in stone how I felt before the ways that I fought with you when I knew it would hurt that is the only way I'm gonna do it now because now I don't have to pretend I don't have to pretend to make it better yeah I don't I, have to I, pretend to understand right yeah I I mean I, I just feel like that it was it was so much about appearances to like, you know, to not stress out the parents. And I also feel like part of the problem is that Louis has some sort of weird controlling shit going on. And I don't really feel like 
he's making, I don't think he's the kind of person who would make Teresa feel like you only have your brother. You have to kind of maintain that relationship. I feel like he is making her more and more walled off. Um, so yeah, we, 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 we know the steps forward for them to reconcile. We've all agreed on how it needs to happen. So I think that if Bravo wants us to mediate and give them another season, <laughs> you know, we're good to go. I think someone, I know someone said recently in an interview, I forget who it was. I think it was Margaret said that like Louis, that she has a new respect for Louis, that he feels like more of a peacemaker to her organically, that he's really trying, which I genuinely found surprising because I, I rewatched a couple recent seasons of New Jersey, um, of the New Jersey reunion. And there is a moment where Teresa and Joe are going at each other in one of their dressing rooms and Louis just standing there and he has like a glimmer in his eye and he only tries to deescalate the situation after Andy tries to mediate and says to him, you know, like help, you got to help, like continue right. helping, whatever. It's only at that point that he involves himself. So when, when I think it was Marge, when Marge said in, in a conversation with, I forget who, that like he's much more of a calming influence and, and force. I was pleased to hear it. I was also genuinely surprised. I, I'm not surprised he does that on camera. I mean, like at the beginning, it was the same thing. He basically was like saying that he forgives Margaret and was trying to get Teresa to like, you know, make amends with her. And I think he likes looking like that person. He likes kind of appearing as a Zen, like- He's a warrior. <laughs> I don't I don't buy it. I think behind closed doors, it's a different story. I don't trust him. That is my- Louis take and I'm sorry because I know Kevin has a personal relationship with Louis now but I do not trust him <laughs> yeah. Kevin want us to tell us a little bit have you also gone did a little beachside meditation little, oh yeah yeah know, a, a retreat where we sand castles. yeah, yeah me, me and me and Louis hang out all the time at these retreats talking about our our past relationships and Apolo apologizing for weird things you've done that you won't acknowledge exactly yeah it's our it's our favorite bonding activity the thing that I find so interesting about New Jersey is it really does, even though this stuff is obviously so heightened, it really does feel grounded to me, which is maybe why so many of us remain connected with it. And so many of us are really, really, the trailer is out this week's, the way that so many of us are genuinely looking forward. I'm to so excited. Mm -hmm. And I, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely telling that we have spent so much time talking about Jersey and yeah. haven't really touched on Potomac <laughs> at all, which I think also maybe not the best season they've had, um, but is currently airing and Jersey is not. I mean, this is also, you know, it's the punishment of being consistently good. Like I thought the new episode was fantastic. I had so much fun. I watched it one and three quarter times and <laughs> I had a, I had a blast and I enjoyed it. And, but you know, when there's like a raging house fire and Jen right. Shaw just continually lights mm -hmm. additional matches. Like that's going to be the thing that I'm running toward or running screaming from. Yeah. Like there is something to be said there, even though, as I did say at the beginning of this episode, I am enjoying it or finding it more watchable, I think, than both of you. I, I think that like I, I had a I had a brief moment of, of, of nervousness with with Potomac because I thought that they're going to try to make us care too much about Mia versus Wendy. And there are two people that I just do not have any energy for investing in in one way or the other other than the fact that like I find Mia very funny and like she's a she's a good side character on that show that I didn't need those two to ever become main characters and I was afraid that we were going to just have episodes and episodes of this yeah um, so the because everyone else on that show is just so competent at doing that show like yeah. like they know exactly what to bring 
they're all so funny. They have their lanes and they're they're good at sticking in them. And so there's not been much to like, you know, to be scared about or to to obsess over the way that we're obsessing over the chaos of Salt Lake City, because when those women are firing at all cylinders, it's just good. You don't have to like debate it being good. And I, but I, again, I was scared about the Mia versus Wendy stuff because like I cannot have a season of caring about the two of them. There's a baseline competency that definitely helps. And I think because that's the, the season opened with like, you know, the OGs like hanging out, you sort of know that you're in good hands with them. I think that I, I love Candace. I've like totally come around on Candace and think that she is, you know, great on TV. And I think Wendy has also come down from last season when she was like having that season two problem of like, you know, trying a little bit too hard to be a real housewife. I think now she's like sort of plateaued in a way that I'm totally fine with. I think the only problem for me is Mia because I don't really believe anything Mia says ever, which makes it hard to kind of invest in her as you're saying. Like, and I think that I did enjoy the last episode, but not the Mia Jacqueline stuff because I just don't really care what actually happened. They're talking around it and I don't, Mia contradicts herself constantly. So it's like, I just don't really like want to focus on that. I'd much rather watch Candace make a music video or, you know, watch Giselle and Karen hang out and be a little bit snippy. Yeah. And that cast is made up of superstars who literally get to the point. Oh, you don't look like you have cancer. How's your day going? Like, you have Giselle, Karen, Candace, Ashley. These are all women who get to this the season. Point. Robin is like she she's yeah. stepping it up. She came to she came to play. She got out of bed. Although social media, people are coming for Giselle and Robin in such a way that I'm like, got it. Like, I get what you're saying. But fuck me. The anger is mm. honestly, I'm a little shocked. Yeah, it's been really intense. I I don't really tweet about Potomac because I feel like, yeah, I don't. And I, I don't tweet about Jersey either when it's airing because I just feel like it's not worth the the fights you get into. It's very heated. I definitely understand you know, both sides of, of these arguments. So it's, I, I kind of opt out. Um, but that's my overall, my overall take on Potomac. I feel like we're all on the same page that like, it's never, it's never not solid. Like it's, it's never like a bad show by any means. I think it's never not great. I, like I, I honestly, it's not to me about being solid. I think it is artistically at a level that is just different from everybody else. I know that you and I are obsessed with Miami right now and we are literally converting Kevin through the course of this episode recording. But like, I just think it's like at a level where it's like, I don't know. I feel, you know, I just, I thought the newest episode was fantastic. And I just think like, these are superstars who were watching perform their craft at a, <laughs> at a level that's just like really fucking high. And it does also, you know, at the beginning of the episode, you mentioned that I might be seeing some different stuff on social. My social experience might be different according to my views about Whitney than what <laughs> other people are saying. And I acknowledge that like, I'm not on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, but I do a lot of work in the, on the explore page with like guinea pigs and Manolos. So like, I'm not <laughs> necessarily I don't engage in conversation about housewives on social media I see posts I'm mm -hmm. friends with a lot of content creators but like I'm not going I'm not I'm not really seeing con comments which is yeah. like good and bad good in the sense that like it's um less maybe inspiration as I try to construct some sort of third of an <laughs> opinion but also like not great because I'm not as aware of what other people of the vibe that other people are are 
you know, feeling. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's, it's definitely, I'll be very interested to hear how your listeners respond to this episode because we've, we've never been, we've never been, as I said, more divergent in our opinions. So I'm kind of curious to see if people think we both have points or people think that <laughs> one of us is crazy and, or, or maybe Kevin's the only sane one. I mean, that's, that goes Obviously. without saying. <laughs> I think we just decided how that the appropriate answer is. And that answer is C, Kevin is the <laughs> correct response. Um, listen, you know I love both of you. You know I love when we do these little convenings. I love to hear both of your perspectives. And I find myself honestly just delighting in the listen at the end of the day. Um, and I am so thrilled, by the way, that we had very different thoughts <laughs> about all things Whitney Rose. I think it is hashtag Whitney Rose Beauty. Like, I think it is. What is her fucking name? Wild, wild Rose. Rose. Whatever the hell. <laughs> I think it is hashtag a wild rose of whatever. Because I just think it's it's delightful. It is to me genuinely delightful to have such um, different and unique perspectives. Truly, it makes, uh, listen, it makes podcasting a lot more fun. I'll tell you that. Um, Can you tell the folks where they can follow you on social, any pieces that you're currently working on, all of that good stuff? Kevin, can we start with you? Uh, Yeah, my, I am at KP Fallon on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, I don't remember my Facebook password, so I have not been on that in years. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, I edit the Daily Beast Obsessed, so come read all the cool content we have there. Um, our best TV shows of 2022 list comes out tomorrow, and there's a Bravo entry on it that makes it relevant to plug here. Um, I assume it's Potomac. Oh, well, you don't watch Miami. I assume it's Potomac. Uh, I will not. I will not spoil for the listeners what it is. Here's where I will riot. You're talking about the best TV of 2022. If The Patient isn't number one, <laughs> or at least in the top three, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. And I understand White Lotus is exceptional. I mean, I've... But The Patient is like fucking insane. That was tremendous. I mean, the thing about TV is that there's uh, no. 800 too much of it. and 11,000 yeah. <laughs> TV shows. So picking a few is... It better be, be in the top five, yeah. Kevin. I'm I think I think the I think the patient should get extra credit for making my husband Donald Gleason look so unappealing, which so is like ugly. very oh hard to do because he is the most beautiful man, and he was so repugnant on that show. I would start. What did it came out like? Tuesday, I want to say at yeah. like midnight, if I'm remembering correctly. Like that. And I would start my Wednesday, I would like genuinely <laughs> do like some light breathing exercises. I would make my Harney and Sons and spice tea. I had to watch it during the daytime. I chose morning to get it done so I wouldn't have to think about it anymore. And I always felt physically sick. Guys, if you haven't seen The Patient, <laughs> extremely limited series, <laughs> fucking terrifying, the scariest thing you're going to see in your goddamn life. And shout out to honorary spiritual Hebrew Steve Carell for doing the fucking <laughs> job as a Jewish therapist in an unlikely circumstance an odd day at the <laughs> office who's also dealing with intergenerational trauma as a as a Hebrew unfucking believable watch it and thank me yell at me later it's gonna change your life so Kev I hope it's on there now calling you Kevin <laughs> calling you Kev uh Lewis Peitzman tell the folks where they can follow you read your words you can follow me on Twitter at Lewis Peitzman um, I have other social media accounts now, but I am not really using them. So you can you can follow me on Hive or Post. Uh, Are those things? Yeah, Is that oh, real? That's real. It's unfortunately oh, okay. real. 
Um, but I'm not actually doing anything on those accounts. Um, yeah, writing. I have my my. At some point, I'm gonna have to do my best horror of the year because mm. I do it every year. It's the only year end list that I always do, and the only real media that I pay attention to enough to like pull that off. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I could do. I watch a lot of TV, but there's just like, as Kevin said, there's so much TV that I feel like I still can't possibly like rank the best TV of the year. Um, anyway, best horror list coming out at some point soon. I will tweet it when it happens i also tweet about housewives usually on fridays when i catch up so pretty exciting if you're into that um that's about it incredible and speaking of catching up guys shout out to reality checks with amy phillips i was so excited to be a guest on that fabulous show on sirius xm radio andy um so you can listen to that episode on demand and uh, you know what else is on demand? The Andy's Girls Patreon. Number one way to support the pod. You get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more. There is going to be Lewis's favorite show, also known as A Real Housewives of Miami Deep Dive, that goes up this week and so much more. So access the exclusive bonus episodes while supporting the sassy little pod at patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. And shout out to the upcoming live show that I will be co-hosting with friend of the pod, Ryan Bailey, going to be on Thursday, January 5th, also known as Erev Jen Shaw. And you can watch this live experience extravaganza online. It is my very first moment with the fine folks at Moment. And I'm so excited about it. $12 tickets available now. We are going to have so much fun. And also, guys, speaking of on demand... You can access this fabulous exclusive show for a full week following the show by getting on demand tickets. So if you tell me, Sarah, Dame Galley, I can't be there on Jan 5 at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, 5 o'clock Pacific. Guess what? We got you taken care of because you got your on demand tickets available and meet and greets after parties. So much more. $12, you guys. $12. Bucks. So um, those tickets are available now at moment.co slash Andy's Girls, also linked in the show notes for this episode. Guys, we went way over, but that's because I truly cannot get enough of both of you. And because I am going to need to take a little um, emergency rest or something to really reflect on the Whitney Rose of it all. So um, can't wait to hear the AG's thoughts on my Instagram at Dame Galley for the episode post that I'm going to put up. It's going to be, I'm sure everybody is probably on your side. Just kidding. Absolutely not. Like I, <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll it's find out. Be... Do a poll. We'll see. Yeah, I will 100% do a poll. I am 100% when this goes up, I am 100% doing a poll. Um, Guys, happy holidays. Happy, happy holidays. holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy, happy Hanukkah. Happy. I mean, I was going to guess. Like, no, wait, I, yeah, I was just, you know, I was just keeping it going. Whatever you're celebrating, however you're celebrating, sending you a whole lot of love. And this holiday season, I'm thankful to all of you, to all the AGs for listening and supporting this sassy little social experiment to today's phenomenal guests and to many more deep dives like this. Uh, Happy holidays. Merry Jewish. We will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.